Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I am super excited. First of all, we are talking to our guest today, literally across the world. He is in Singapore. Today, we have Nick Johnson with us. And Nick has an approach to a subject that I found rather unique. We've all been talking a lot about mental health, particularly since COVID. But Nick is focusing on executives. And his book is titled Executive Loneliness, the five pathways to overcoming isolation, stress, anxiety, and depression in the modern business world. So Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Mary. And thanks also, Christine. It's great that you're covering this important topic. So thank you. Well, and exactly to your point, I mean, you know, over the last several years, COVID kind of leveled the playing field and really brought mental health to the forefront. But I have to say, when I saw uh, the title of your book, we tend to don't think of executives and highly successful people. We figure they're above all that stuff, you know, like they're successful now. So what do they have to worry about? So I'm really fascinated that you are you're approaching this idea of executive loneliness and executive mental health. So where did that start? Did that have a personal angle with you? Well, I worked as an executive myself, uh, so over about 15, 20 years, you know, from account manager to account director to general manager, managing director, general director. And as I worked my way up, you know, I, I was mainly focused on getting the bonuses, the targets, hitting the targets, you know, impressing the bosses and so on. But as I'm looking back at my corporate career, I realized it was quite a lonely journey. And as the saying goes, it's lonely at the top. That's really how I felt, you know, when I was going through my career. So this was had its germination in, in personal, a personal experience for you. So where are you from originally? Now you're in Singapore. So how did how did all that happen? Well, I was born in Sweden, educated in Australia, and Australia is as far away you can get from Europe. So I realized that that's pretty uh, too far away from home. So I went halfway and I lived and worked in Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia and Singapore, where I'm now uh, based for the last 20 years. And of course, then being away from home also, you can it be, can be quite lonely. You work in a different country with different language, different culture, and the legal system is different and so on. So you're already sort of isolated. But as, as I was looking into them as other executives, I realized that I was not alone. It was many executives around the world who felt similarly. So this is bringing up two interesting things in my mind. First of all, you know, I, we know, I forget how the saying goes, but you said, you know, it's lonely at the top. And there's also that thing of, as you start really focusing on achieving your goals and climbing that ladder that you want to do, people start to drop off, but people get 
people get resentful, people get jealous, they get competitive, right? And your circle just gets smaller and smaller. So I was so happy to hear that that you're addressing this issue. But I got to tell you, Nick, what's interesting to me is that men go through this too, because we always seem to think, or because I'm in so many circles of, you know, women entrepreneurs and stuff, that it's a women thing, but also that it's a global issue. I tend to, sometimes we think like, oh, in the United States, we just make a mountain out of a molehill or we have all these issues, right? Everybody else has it figured out, but you're saying it's a, it's a, it's not gender specific and it's not just country specific. That's right, Christine. I would say that uh, what I, in my research, as I researched and did interviews for the book, it seems like it's more prone in men. It seems like at least the research I did was that women tend to belong to perhaps some women groups. So they have some close friends who they dare to be a bit vulnerable, who they are a little bit honest with. So if something is on the mind, at, le at least what I found out was that they tend to say it when it comes to men. We might have close friends, but we go and play sport with them or we go and watch uh, perhaps a game uh, of football on TV together at the bar over beer and we are having a good time, but we're not speaking about what really matters. If there's something that really bothers us, something that is on the mind, that's something we keep secret. I might be generalizing a bit here, but you, you got the idea of what I'm getting at. I don't think you're generalizing at all. I think it hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it, you know it, one of the the points that 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 you bring up is embracing vulnerability, and clearly, that kind of conversation that you would have. Women are very we're very used to that. You know, we as as primarily the caretakers of children and all that, we're dealing with emotions all through our lives. If we're parents, not only our own but then our children's. And men are kind of put in a different category. And, you know, women get, we get frustrated because they won't talk about their emotions, but society kind of puts them in that place to not talk about their emotions. So you created a network to give them an opportunity to do that. So tell us about that. Yes, what I found was that, you know, many times people and in this case, also, I realized, especially men don't speak about, as you rightly say, the, the feelings and the emotions. And therefore, if they have an issue in the workplace, there's no one they speaking to this. They don't talk to the boss, they don't go to the HR, they might not go home to the wife, they don't talk to a friend. So that means it's all kept internally and inside until it reached a breaking point. And that's what happened in my case. And that's what happened in many others that we just keep secret and silent that we cannot cope anymore. And perhaps uh, we pick up a bad addiction in my case. Uh, first, I, I coped really well by exercising and so on. And that was my way. But then when I had some challenging events in my life, I turned to alcohol and that became sort of a way for me to cope. And that, as we all know, a, a bad habit can turn into an addiction quickly. And with that was a, a slippy slope and I went really down and I had a, I had a complete crash a few years ago. Hmm. So, so what were the steps then that you took to, to reset and, and get going again and, and shake all that off? Well, in my case, I had to hit that gift of desperation, as they talk about in recovery, when, you know, you, you realize that you cannot cope anymore. And I, the alcohol didn't work for me anymore. I'd hit what they say rock bottom, and I had to patch my life together again. And it was only through this journey that I realized that vulnerability and being able to speak openly and honestly about your feelings and your challenges is such an amazing 
place to be. And that's what the, the key message that I want to spread to everyone who's listening. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, but if you have pain and you have feelings uh, of, of pain inside you, that we need to find spaces to talk about that. And and back to Mary's question there also about, we created this play, space now where we can have these conversations. And that is what we do in confidential peer groups that we are organizing here in Southeast Asia, where executives or entrepreneurs for that matter, have a, a safe space like a mastermind group where they can discuss the, the challenges they have uh, so that they feel they are in a safe space, which is confidential. So I'm imagining that when you talk to people about this, that there is almost a great sense of relief that they there's finally, you talked about that safe space. And I think this all feeds into this idea that we have of successful people, you know, they're, we, we almost feel like they're untouchable and we don't, we don't look at them as having those same kinds of needs. And they, I'm sure don't look at themselves as being able to express them in the ways that a lot of other people do, because we tend to think of vulnerability as a sign of weakness. And it's clearly not that it is just part of the human condition. So I imagine when you approach people about this, is there this like huge sense of, oh, thank God, someplace I can actually talk about these things? Yes, yeah, some are approaching it with, you know, a relief. Some are happy about it, but many people are not ready for that. Uh, some are not responding at all or uh, withdrawing further. They might say, this is great. Some might need that, but it's not for me. And most often when it's the people who say, this is not for me, that means that they are terrified of opening up. Uh, and there's so much perhaps shame or guilt that and and also as as we cover a lot in this is so much about relationships so much about communication especially with emails and social media there's so many resentments going around these days because we send something that we perhaps did not think through and then the the receiver gets upset and then we don't repair that and we don't have the tools we don't know how to do that and and therefore you know, to have this safe place where we can talk about the conflicts we might have in the workplace, get some tips or support, how to solve them. It's what making the whole difference to, to the well-being of an executive. You know, I love that. I love that you say safe space, confidential, you know, more like a mastermind because, because for, for me, I was always like the, I was very high achieving. I also, I have four brothers and I was a sports nut and hung out with guys all the time. Like I had way more guy friends. <laughs> and one time I was at a conference speaking and these women were really upset with stuff that was happening in the, in uh, the pharmaceutical world with women and all. And they said, Kristen, you don't have these struggles. Why, why are we, all of us women having them and you don't in terms of getting on panels and stuff. I said, I think that the guys forget that I'm a girl. <laughs> I just hang out with them and talk sports. And they were like looking at me like I was nuts. But what I also realized, Nick, is if we talk about vulnerability. I never, I never stepped into that. I was always like, you know, like the men tend to be, and I was like this for a while too. The fixer, like I have the answers, I can fix the problem. And when I couldn't, I would nearly lose my mind, right? And didn't want to say, oh, I don't have the answers. Maybe we need to, to, I need to ask somebody else, or I. Just even admitting I didn't have the answers was like, no way. Until my whole life went upside down and inside out when I had two blind kids. And I'm like, whoa, I can't fix any of this. But I will say this. That's a very long-winded story to say, coming from a place of vulnerability, 
oh my goodness, the way that the that my life opened up and I was able to be more creative and and actually solve some of the problems and get back on track to, as we said, as we say, to reset and rise into my life's purpose, it was because of deciding to be vulnerable. That's a hard one though. I can imagine that that it was, was it like a slow process getting people to get on board with this? Well, indeed, it is a process. And in my case, um, as I mentioned, I, I went into recovery myself. And that's where I learned and understood that, you know, being vulnerable and being honest and talking about your challenges and feelings is a great thing. Because the more I opened up, the more I shared, uh, the better I felt afterwards until uh, my story basically went viral. I made a LinkedIn post that went viral and then I was on radio and my story was in the newspaper. And of course, first, you know, I had that shame and I thought, oh my God, I'm exposed. But after that, with all the people coming to me, you know, saying, great, Nick, that you're stepping forward with this. I went through a similar episode a few years ago, or I have a friend or I have a husband, I have a wife who gone through something. Thanks for covering this. So when everyone came around, you know, and thank me for daring to be vulnerable then I got more inspiration and I wanted to move forward and share this story and then and, and, and that's exactly why now uh, I'm a good leader for these groups because if I if I'm running these groups I have to be vulnerable myself and if we're talk, talking about executives it has to start at the top if you are an executive of a company you cannot expect your team or your staff or employees to come into you and starting to be open and vulnerable with you if you have a closed door policy and you don't talk and you're not opening up at all. So in that sense, you know, it's it, it, the culture is what the leader has to set. And that's what I'm trying to do on a day by day basis. So I, I have to tell you, your story is resonating with me so much because my son is also in recovery from from substance abuse. And I you know, as a mother ex experiencing that, I could see that he was trying to fill up something that was missing inside, something that he just wasn't able to process and then therefore had to turn and kind of self-medicate. So I think it's unfortunate that that a lot of people, just to take that that pain and that anxiety away, you talk about in your book title, anxiety and depression, and that is just they are constants when, when someone has those conditions and is in these high pressure jobs. And when we're not talking about it, you do end up then having people doing the self-medicating, turning to things that end up becoming addiction, which creates a whole other problem. So I, I, I guess I want to talk about this, this, your experience here, this all came from a very personal place with you. And we talk about building resilience and, and you talk about that too building resilience through your personal experience and the journey. And this is the line I love to emotional intelligence, because we're so focused on the goal, the goal, the goal, the goal that we, we tend to put that emotional component aside and we can't. So talk about this idea of resilience, fixing in with, with emotional intelligence. Yeah. And it's all about having, you know, conversations about emotions and rightly as you say we live in a society so focused on goal setting and achieving everything and that that's the conversations we have and 
we need to lead our conversations about you know asking people how they are really but also share how they we are i have a 14 year old son myself and when i speak with him i normally start talking about some of my feelings if i'm having a, a challenging time i explain it to him and i talk about my feelings i i, I say that I, I was sad about that or this happened to me and so on and then i ask him so how are you feeling and you know we, we, we don't normally do that thing today. We, we all talk about yeah anything from the news, bad news, good news, the, the weather economy or, or, or anything else but the feelings and how we are. And, and we're also not genuine in that, in, in perhaps responding. We're just saying, I'm fine, thank you, and then we move on. But we need to slow this down. And for me, this comes from practice. And if we have these safe spaces, and I talk also in my book about having a professional safe space where we can talk with people who are perhaps if you're an entrepreneur you have your entrepreneurs group if you are an executive you have your senior executives group where people understand each other but we also need to have these safe spaces for personal connections maybe with a few close friends or some uh, women's group or men's group where we feel also we can talk about perhaps some personal challenges which we are facing related to our health or or our aging or whatever it may be so we have someone we can talk to and just explain how we feel you know i want to i want to i'm so glad that you i feel like we planned this that you just segue right into the home because i think it's really important for people to understand that yes this this is this is great and it works in the in the workplace but at home you know to raise our next generation of especially our boys that understand vulnerability. And what I want to make sure that people understand is I'm a single mom and my, I have three kids. Their, their father is not in a, in a mentally healthy, good spot to help with this whole vulnerability and talking about feelings, but you can have, what I ended up having for my kids is a, a, a male that is very close to our family. Each of them had a different person that they got real tight with and would check in with them. And they still do these guys that I'm friends with and, you know, I have brothers and all still check in with them. And my point is you can have somebody outside the home. I'd like to dive into this a little bit that can step in and be that, that role model for talking about feelings and where you're at with stuff and not just, you know, life skills and, and accomplish all of your goals. Would you agree on that? Yes, absolutely. And again, back to my son who's 14 and and, uh, and because I'm divorced and he lives uh, with his mom and I don't spend so much time as I wish with him on the ground, we need to find male role models in his life. And my ex-wife and I have a very good conversation about this. We look at having some teachers who are men. We look at some sport teachers that are men to make sure that he has some mentors in his life. And it's super important for him. Uh, and of course, I'm checking in with him as often as I can and I can be there, but it's not always that the, a teenager want to go and open up to the sun it need to be someone on the outside and we even actually hired a, a coach uh, to have uh, have some conversations with our son a while ago and he decided that uh, he opened up about things that my ex-wife and i had no idea about so he started to get that trust quite quickly because we have uh, have always been thinking about this for the last few years now at least that we need to have uh, you know honest conversations with him you know, all of this is striking me because uh, I'm thinking about the business side of this and how we brand our businesses and we brand ourselves to appear to be a certain way. And 
I think that, you know, there's a certainly is a place for that. You you want the the marketplace to see you and your company and your business and all of that as a certain way. But I also think that in the last number of years, when people do open up, there is that authenticity that then comes across in, in a brand. If you're going to look at, at it from a, a business perspective, that can be very engaging, I think, um, in, in a marketplace because people go like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. They're just like me. They're not way up here and approachable. So do you find that your executives, when you allow them to talk about people, see the value in that authenticity? Yes, they certainly do. But we, we got to warm them up and practice this, you know, and what the way we do that is when someone is new coming into a group, they got to introduce themselves, but we give them a template to, to prepare. And they got to say two things. First, they're going to say this is the expertise I'm adding to this group. And then they move on to and this is my number one work related challenge right now. And we prepare them and coach them offline for this so that they are ready for it. Because what's happening then if they in the first meeting already have to present a work related challenge, and the whole group will work on that the whole group would actually uh, work on that in breakout groups and come up with suggestions sol solutions for the person. So they should leave the first meeting feeling Oh, my, I wish I had opened up earlier about these things. And then you practice this muscle of vulnerability over and over again. And the more people then become comfortable with this, the more they open up and the more value they will, of course, get from the conversations as well. So it's, it's a positive spiral in that sense that we just get better at this. I love that idea of the muscle of vulnerability, because we talk about resilience muscles and having to flex them all the time. But before we, we end up here, I want to talk about another thing that you do the Samaritans of Singapore. Um, that is that is a suicide help prevention organization. So, you know, I, I think we talk about we talk about vulnerability, we talk about feelings, we talk about all these things. But I think it's really important to realize that if we don't talk about them, that some people are led to very desperate places and very dark places. So, you know, this isn't all just about feel good conversations. This has a real basis in helping people to live healthy lives. So how did you get involved in this organization? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so a year into my recovery, and I was feeling great about myself, but I had at that stage, I had not really shared my story openly. It was in this closed safe circle I had where I was sharing openly and so on. But then I lost, sadly lost a friend to suicide and that changed everything. I called up his brother and I explained to him, you know, what I gone through before and how I felt now. And I asked if there was anything I could do. And, and he, he basically asked me to share the message and uh, stop people from going this far again. And, and that's what I did. That's when I made my video on LinkedIn that went viral. And from there on, I then start, set up a fund and I wanted to raise awareness and money for this uh, suicide prevention agency because what I realized is that at the end of this spectrum, what we're talking about today of the isolation, if someone has something on their mind and they don't talk about it, if we don't manage to grab this uh, immediately in a safe space, which we have proactively built, 
then it might lead to suicide. And that's the full spectrum there. And we just have to tackle this at every angle so that it doesn't go that far because it's just so sad and so unnecessary because we can actually uh, uh, talk about these matters before they get out of hand. You know, I'm, I'm listening to you, Nick, and you are like the epitome of what we, in our presentation, so brilliantly resilient, we ask a question and, and have people look through a different lens and we call it the brilliantly resilient lens and what you're, what you end up going through, we call them train wrecks and sucker punches. The question is, do you want it to be stuck as a burden or can it be a brilliant starting point? And you are really just have outlined how, how that, that, you know, massive life crash became your brilliant starting point to really make an impact around the world. It's good stuff. Yeah, thank you. It's it's a blessing to be in recovery. It's a blessing to be surrounded by people in recovery and and we can, you know, teach so much. We can learn so much and be an inspiration to people around us because uh, again, it doesn't have to go as far. People shouldn't have to hit rock bottom or in the worst case uh, die of suicide. Hmm. So Nick, what is your message to these people of of a certain level about about first of all the necessity of of sharing and then how they can get involved in your work and you know and maybe even encourage that attitude within their own organizations i imagine that's one of the things that you try to help them do as well see the importance of opening up conversation in in their corporate cultures yeah, I mean, my message can be to everyone to look at the in your community. There's so many clubs as organizations and so on that you can join. Uh, there's men's clubs, women's clubs everywhere. Uh, and look for something that is, you know, if you can find something like a peer group or a mastermind, which is confidential, because then you will know that this is, you know, more serious conversation. And that's what we need. Sometimes we need to feel that we are safe and we share perhaps some things that we don't want everyone to talk about the next day. Uh, so proactively look up these and if you are in an organization and you are a leader listening you know uh, dare to be a bit vulnerable also with your team then and, and show that you are human because then they will feel much better around you they will feel safer around you and they will also start to open up and then we have a much more warmer workplace which is so needed now especially when we're coming back from the pand pandemic so that is my message and i also want to say that if anyone has some issue there's so many coaches mentors so many uh, anonymous organizations full of volunteers so many hotlines you can look up and there shouldn't be a need to anyone to go to bed with something on their mind which they feel they cannot talk about pick up the phone and call someone and 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 then you will feel much better about yourself nick thank Good you time. so much for joining us this has been such a valuable conversation and i'm so glad that we connected with you over there on singapore time that we managed to work this out so tell everybody again the name of your book and where people can reach out to you um the name of my book is executive loneliness they can find it on amazon if someone prefer it as an audiobook it's on audible and i'm on linkedin as well so look me up there nick johnson and it's the swedish spelling j-o-n-s-s-o-n -S -S so thank you very much mary and christine for inviting me oh thanks nick have you. this is awesome Okay, and if you're looking for additional resources to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance, go to brilliantlyresilient.net. Sign up for our Brilliance Bit, a less than one minute read that we deliver right to your inbox every week. We'll see y'all next time.
Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.